Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Sean Baker, and he's going to be talking to us about the carnivore clinical trial that he is spearheading. Welcome, Sean. Amber, it's a true pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk about the subject because I think this is so incredibly important what you're doing. But before we get to the clinical trial, I want to know a little bit about where does your passion for the carnivore movement come from? I've got to know you a little bit behind the scenes, and I know, but some people don't only see you as the public figure. They don't really see the passion behind the man. Why do you do what you do? Where does this come from? Well, you know, as you know, I'm a physician and, you know, I made a decision in my life that I wanted to ultimately try to help people. And, you know, I, I, I went the traditional route and, you know, I studied hard, graduated with honors from medical school, got into one of the most competitive specialties, worked my butt off. You know, as an orthopedic surgeon, you know, I did a lot of surgeries and knee replacements, hip replacements, shoulder replacements, fixed broken people, did trauma, you know, war trauma in Afghanistan, saved some lives. And, but I realized, you know, as time went by, you know, you know, maybe 10 years into this, um, that I was just basically taking care of a lot of preventable issues. You know, you think in orthopedics, like, you know, I, I didn't want to go into primary care. When I was in medical school, I, I, I you know, we, we rotate through all these specialists and I, I saw the frustration in primary care because no one ever really ever got better. I mean, it was just, you know, shuffling meds, reordering meds, trying different medications, sending persons to specialists after specialists, and they never really got better. And I thought, orthopedics, you know, it's cool. It's kind of a jock specialty anyway. There's a lot of athletes in there, and I was an athlete. And so um, I, the reason I selected that was because I like, man, I can, you know, somebody come with a broken leg, and I can put a metal rod down there, and they're walking the next day. Cool, isn't that great? I'm really making a difference. But the longer I got into it, I wasn't, that was a small part of what I actually did. What I was mostly seeing is people that were, you know, sick, unhealthy, overweight, with metabolic disease, showing up with arthritis, joint pain. And this is all, as I later discovered, was just chronic disease. And it was just these orthopedic manifestations, just like liver fat or heart disease is all related to diet and lifestyle. These same things were too. And then, you know, as I eventually went through my own health journey and saw what helped me and I started doing it with my patients and I saw that, wow, this lifestyle stuff is really, really, really important. And then obviously, you know, as I went down the rabbit hole and ended up, on this carnivore sort of journey and then obviously it's been very controversial a lot of people push back and people think i'm crazy and a quack and but you know despite all that every single day of my life i wake up to messages from people saying dr baker you have dramatically improved my health i mean it's just like every so i wake up with a smile every day because of that that's what inspires me now i think that you know, while not everybody needs to do it, and certainly I'm not suggesting that this is the only option, but it does seem to be such a powerful option for so many things and so many diseases, as you know, people with these, you know, you know, intractable, long-term chronic diseases that nothing helps, the lifetime medications, you know, these, these inflammatory diseases, these autoimmune diseases, these chronic mental health disorders, they just get better for some reason. And, you know, we don't know hundred percent why, I mean, there's a lot of theory as to why that occurs, but you know, we see this over and over again. And, you know, my sort of goal is, well, why aren't we investigating this? Why aren't we like recognizing that now it's not one or two people, but it's tens of thousands of people. And, you know, why, why is there not a, a just a mad interest in, in, in looking at this in, in the community at large? And, 
you know, part of that is because, you know, people will just dismiss it. They say, well, it's just an anecdote, just an anecdote. And I got to tell you, you know, when you look at the body of nutrition research, you know, like 85% of it, you know, is self-reported epidemiologic stuff. What did you eat for the last, you know, what, what kind of food did you eat for the last year? Write it down on a piece of paper. I mean, it's all self-reported data that you can verify, you know, it's, there's no way to do that. And it's guesses and it's people basically lying sometimes because they're like, well, I think I'm supposed to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. So I'll put that on there. And so that is the vast majority of nutrition research. And so one of the, the major criticisms has always been, you know, it's all, it's all just people telling stories. It's not valid. So I, you know, like I said, my goal, my ultimate goal is every physician on the planet would feel comfortable prescribing this diet or something similar for selected patients. And I think that is where we need to get to. And I, and I, and I think people should feel comfortable doing it. And that doesn't mean it's a lifelong thing. It doesn't mean that you've got to be 100% strict the rest of your life. I, I've never, as you know, I've never been dogmatic about this. I say, you got to do what works for you. A meat-based approach, whether it's fully 100% strict carnivore or some slight variation beyond that seems to be very helpful. Let's find out what, what, what helps you and what you do. And, you know, my passion is, you know, like I said, building a community and I, and I, and I desperately care about this community. I mean, these people mean something to me a lot and I really care about the people that are willing to really, I mean, cause really you think about these people are risk takers. These people are willing to step outside their comfort zone, step outside the nutritional comfort zone and say, look, I want to do something different. And I really appreciate people willing to do that because Every person that does that, particularly those that get good results and, and, and a high percentage of them do, provides more sort of validation to what I've been doing. And so, like I said, the, the, you know, the, the next level, I think, you know, again, forgetting the physician acceptance and buy-in is to get some of these studies done. And that's why I think that's one of the very important things that we do. I could not agree with you more. And I will be the first one to tell you, he does care about people. It's not, I, I, I get these comments and this really frustrates me because I know you a little bit differently and, you know, I'll get these comments. Oh yeah, well, he's just doing it for the money. And, you know, uh, he's just rolling in it from his book sales and et cetera, like that. And, and it kills me because I'm like, oh, you just don't even know. He just don't know. He left a lucrative career where he did have all of that to do this, to help others more than even what he was doing as a doctor so let me let me just put some perspective for out there as a surgeon i was making about six hundred thousand dollars a year which is a shit ton of money right i went from that to making like thirty thousand dollars a year you know and, and i'm not much beyond that at this point i mean you know hopefully that will turn around and get better as time goes by. i mean i still have to pay the bills and feed and i've got four children and i've burned through most of my savings to do this stuff. I mean, I, I went on a limb and do that. And, you know, um, so, I mean, for those people that say I'm doing it for the money, I'm doing it because I love doing this. I'm doing this, you know, if I can make some money at it and have a lifestyle where I can, you know, afford to pay my bills and take care of my children, you know, I need to be able to do that, but you have to earn a living somehow. And I, you know, again, given that, that I was making 20 times more income uh, before, my level of happy to happiness is 20 times higher, you know, even despite the lack of the lack of funds. Now, uh, to be fair, that's that situation is slowly getting better for me, which I'm thankful for because it's very stressful. You know, when you've got mm -hmm. these types of things, I'm still driving a 2008 beat up truck. Uh, maybe one day I'll be at upgrade and buy a nicer car. Uh, but I am, I am, uh, you know, like I said, my, my hope 
is that I end up making a good living because, because I've been able to expand this to reach millions of people and have, and, and have made an impact on millions of people's lives for the better and the health. And so, um, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, I've been spending here for four years helping people uh, essentially for free. And, you know, you sit there and you ask people, well, what do you do for a living? Well, why don't you give me your services for free? Most people aren't willing to do that. You know, it's like, oh, I, I fix cars. Well, come fix my car for free. You know, oh, I, 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 you know, I do this, and, you know, I mean, so, I mean, finances, financial reasons are not my main incentive. Now, do I want to earn a living and be able to pay for my bills? Yes, of course I do. I mean, that just, it's just crazy not to think that. Um, so anyway, but like I said, my passion is helping people. I, I spend hours every day talking to people, helping people, you know, and, and, and doing whatever I can. And that's, that's always going to be my underlying goal because ultimately, you know, like I said, I'm old enough in life. I've, you know, I've experienced pretty much what I want to experience as far as material type things when I was a physician. Uh, but you know, what, you know, when you get older in life, you, you realize that there's more to it than material things. And I think that's, uh, that's, uh, the, the thing that's, that, that people will find out later on. 100% truth. And I can speak to that too, because we're about the same age. So yeah, um, they're right there with you. And, and the helping people, that's our passion. That's why we do what we do. We, I don't make any money. I'll tell you that right now, but I spend a lot of my time promoting and, and you know, helping others. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. Okay. Let's get on with the clinical trial. Whose idea was this? And, and how did, how did this all happen? Uh, well, I mean, it was, uh, so at meterx.com, I have myself and then uh, my, my co-founder, her name is Masa Rastami. She's a, a data engineer. She's doing all the technical side of this. And so, you know, we both realized that in order for us to be able to scale up what we do to convince businesses and other companies to, you know, do what we want to do, provide the certain, you know, take on the services we want to provide for them, that we need to have more data beyond just anecdotes and pictures and smiling people. I mean, you, I mean, the people are not going to pay you for services if, if you can't give them a good assurance. And so the clinical trial, uh, you know, similar to something like what Verta Health has, has done. Um, that is a, I think a fairly critical step in that. And then also, again, also the other thought is, you know, what I've talked about before, giving physicians a power to utilize this thing. And so, like I said, um, as you probably are aware, you know, Harvard University, led by David Ludwig, Ludwig as, a, as a senior investigator, and then Belinda Leonard's as a primary investigator, reached out to me and said, hey, we want to do a carnivore study. What you're doing is pretty interesting. We'd like to test that. And, and I certainly assisted and recruited, helped them recruit and got something like 2,000 people and, and ended up signing up for that particular study wow. that David and, and Belinda are doing. And that is going to be a kind of a retrospective observational study. So while it will be in the literature and it'll be the largest carnivore study to date that's been done, it's not an intervention trial. And so it's not intention to treat. So there's a different level of, um, you know, a different level of, uh, of rigor there. And so, you know, we are slowly making a difference, but I mean, you know, gosh, it's, it's really been driven by this community, by the communities. And I've been saying this for day one, share your story. Share, you know, I started with Meat Heels and then I moved that over to Meter X and sharing so many stories has inspired these people. Now it's inspiring some researchers like David Ludwig, who's been, you know, in recent times, a champion of some of the low carb, low carb diets. So we'll have some of that published, but the clinical trial we're trying to do, I'm trying to do 
a very large, robust, vigorous, high academic standard uh, study that will continue to, to uh, again, there's always going to be the naysayers. There's going to be people that are just ideologically opposed to it. No matter what you publish, they're going to gripe about this or that aspect of it. Um, but again, it provides more and more comfort for those people that have an open mind that are willing to do this. Because I mean, there are a lot of doctors out there, as you probably know, I mean, that now promote carnivore diets within mm -hmm. their practice. I mean, there's not, I mean, it's not like the majority, but there are certainly more than there were before I started being so vocal about this. And, and again, I want to point out that I did not invent the diet. I did not, I would, I don't want to take credit. I mean, there's people that have been doing this, you know, you know, I go back to people like Charles Washington and his Facebook group and all the folks there and Amber O'Hearn and Kelly Hogan, some of these people that, that have been doing it, but even before them, there were people that were talking about these diets go back for ages. I mean, there's mm -hmm. stuff back into the 1700s on meat-based diets. So I, I didn't invent this. I popularized the term carnivore diet. And I kind of dubbed it the carnivore diet and that has sort of taken off. And now we've got this, this, you know, this kind of environment, this community, this ecology of people on carnivore, and some of them are a little crazy and some of them are more down to earth, but I mean, I, we love them all. And I mean, it's a, it's a great group. Uh, but yeah, like I said, a clinical trial, I think is, is a, is a huge step for, forward. I mean, it's a huge milestone for the community and, and for science in general and for nutrition in general, because you think about it. I mean, all this study data out there saying, oh, meat's bad for it is based on just junk science. It really is. I mean, I mean, if you think about how should, how would you test if meat is bad for you? Well, the ideal way would be put somebody on a carnivore diet and see what happens to them. And you and I know what happens to people. You know, generally they get pretty damn good. So that really, really makes it hard to make the point that meat is bad for you. And so if you can get that published in the literature and uh, that's going to hopefully change the nutritional landscape in the future because there's so much uh, pressure in in the media, in the, in in basically... Uh, in the commercial world for us to all go on these plant-based diets, eating fake foods. And I mean, you know, you, you just see it. I mean, if you just watch, stand back and watch it, it's obvious what's going on. I mean, it's, and it's all a, a play for money. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a commercialization of cheap, cheap stuff that they can sell to you and make more profit. And I think it's an absolute shame. It really is. I, <laughs> yeah. And I get the opportunity to hear people talk about their success stories on a meat-based diet all the time. And all these people cannot be crazy. All these people cannot be, you know, lying or exaggerating. And I myself have experienced, you know, good things since, since switching from keto to, to straight carnivore. So, you know, there's definitely something to that. And it would be nice to have something in writing uh, or in a study form so you can go look. Because people seem to really base everything on studies, which, I mean, you know, how else are you going to gauge? But, okay, let's say you have the money. We're going to make the money, so that's not a problem. You have the money now. What do you do next? I mean, who's going to do this? Where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, so first of all, I'm not doing the study. I'm not a professional researcher. I'm not going to waste money on me trying to learn how to do a study and botch it. So, I mean, we are looking at, we're talking with a number of researchers. We've had a great input. We've talked to guys like David Ludwig, Dr. Eric Westman, Several of three or four other researchers were talking with something called CROs, which are contract research organizations, which are professional resource organizations um, on how to design the study, you know, how much it's going to cost, how big we can make it, how much, how many endpoints can we, can we study? You know, obviously we'd like to get 
as good a study and get as much info as possible out of there. I mean, you know, some people want me to study this and that little disease. And, you know, honestly, we have to go over F for the big stuff first. And then, you know, I'm hoping to be able to publish three or four or five papers out of this, you know, if we design the study well enough. And so that is the goal. Again, these things are not cheap at all. I mean, I wish, I wish they were, but the reality is, you know, just to order labs on a hundred people pre and post is, is, you know, 50, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. And in some cases, depending on what you do in, in imaging and then recruiting the patients and making sure they're safe and checking on them and, you know, doing the IRB proposals and the regulatory requirements and the fees. And I mean, these things add up very quickly and to, to get a study that's statistically powered correctly. So you can show a significant endpoint requires, you know, a relatively large group of people. And, and, and like I said, uh, then you have to have a control arm or you might, you know, you, you know, so you got to pay for all those people too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, like I said, it's just, uh, these things are not cheap. That's why it's hard to get these studies done. And, you know, the NIH really, really difficult to get grants from those guys. And, and I don't know that we could, I mean, we looked in that we even, we, we, you know, I mean, I went and asked the beef industry, Hey, would you, would you be willing to, and they, they basically zero, nothing. So, I mean, it, which sounds crazy, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so it's been up to us as a community to get it done. And, you know, we, we've had, uh, so far a, a nice response, but I mean, we have to get, you know, we just have to get more to get it done. I mean, that's just the reality of the matter. I mean, I don't want to do, uh, you know, a, just a small study that, I mean, again, to, the honest answer is people are going to complain about it and, and pick, you know, mm-hmm. but the better we make it, the better it works for everybody and the more likely people are to, uh, you know, use it as reference to, again, either feel comfortable about knowing that they can go on the diet safely. And again, that's one of the things, you know, we want to demonstrate at least a certain level of safety, you know, and this is a thing people were like saying, well, you can't prove it doesn't cause heart disease, uh, you know, and, but there's no study that's ever been done on any nutritional data. I mean, like there's no 50 year vegan study, I mean, it doesn't exist. And most they do is a six month study, maybe a one year study that doesn't show you can't get heart disease in 20 years. I mean, this doesn't, so you can't do those studies, but what you can do is you can show reversal of disease, mitigation of risk factors, uh, you know, improvements in health, improvements in weight, improvement in, you know, hemoglobin A1C, improvement in inflammatory markers, improvement in disease states via, you know, uh, subjective uh, validated questionnaires. You can look at endpoints, uh, you can look at ultrasounds, liver fat. I mean, these things are, you know, these things are all things we're, we're looking at trying to do to show that, you know, by most accepted standards, people are getting healthier. Now, again, we don't know what the outcomes are going to be. We have a pretty good idea. And I'm talking with all kinds of physicians that see carnivore patients and seeing what the results are. Like I've got I've discussed it with, you know, uh, you know, uh, lots of, lots of you know, Robert Sivis and Ken Berry and Paul Mason and, you know, uh, uh, trochalasian, all these guys that are doing it. And, you know, Brian Lenskis that are doing carnivore diets with their patients and saying, well, what are your results you're getting? What can we, what can we reliably look at to see? So we get one of that, that helps with the statistical power. Cause if you know the magnitude of effect, how much something changes, if it's only a tiny amount, then you need lots and lots and lots and lots of people. But if it changes a lot, then you can get away with less people and still have statistical significance. And so, Again, that, that helps with power design. And so, like I said, while we're still raising money, we're still figuring out the full design on this. You know, the people are asking, can I be part of the study? Can I be part of the study? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it ain't happening anytime real soon because it's still a ways away. We're still six months, maybe even a year away from actually starting the study just because of the mechanics on how to get it going and 
you know, funding it may take. It may take it may take us a year of fundraising to get the money we need for it. Um, but we're going to continue to do it till we do. It. We're definitely going to do it. There's no doubt about it. And then the the question is, well, who are you going to include in the data? Because we we have to figure out who that is. You know, you want if you want to test people to get better, well, they got to start from a starting point where they're not better. So it doesn't do good to test weight loss on skinny people. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to see much result, right? <laughs> so you have to say, well, if I'm looking at weight loss, I'd, I prefer my starting point for people to be at some level of obesity. If I want to test, you know, reductions in hemoglobin A1C, then I want my people to have relatively high hemoglobin A1Cs coming in. If I want them to have I want to look at inflammation. I want to test people at higher levels of inflammation. So you have to screen for all that. You have to put that in inclusion to criteria. You don't want people, you know, that are super, super sick with all kinds of complicated medical problems and on 50 different medications because that puts too many confounders in there. So this, the, the inclusion criteria is going to be a part of it. You know, who we recruit, where we recruit from, are we going to do it in one location versus multiple locations versus a remote type study? where we just have people do much of it remote based. Uh, we're still working on those design aspects of it, you know? And so, you know, and it may be partial. Some, some people pull out depending on like, like some metrics may, you may only need 50 people for, but others you might need 300 for. So mm-hmm. we might do 300 people get this and then pull 50 out of them to do this aspect. So there's a lot of complexity in the design here. Uh, so that is something like where I discuss, you know, I have meetings with researchers and research organizations, you know, you know, every few days just trying to get this stuff. But like I said, you know, at the end of the day, funding is, you know, you can't get it done without the money. So that's, that's, the, that's a harsh reality there. That is so true. Where are we sitting at right now? Uh, so last I looked, we were about 117,000. So our initial goal just to get any study done is 200. Honestly, we'd like to get that up around 500 K. So that's going to give us a, the power to do a large, you know, well-controlled um, study where I can look at a lot of things and then we can say that, hey, you know, not only does this diet fix inflammation and hemoglobin A1C and blood pressure and weight loss, but it also fixes liver fat and maybe carotid intermediate thickness testing and, you know, six or seven other markers. And so, and, and, and we can have enough people because again, to, you know, you could do a small study with 20 people and show one thing uh, but then that's, that, that's not as powerful, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't help. I think that that becomes, you know, when it, when you, when you talk about getting the most bang for your buck, if you have to do a bunch of small studies, there's a startup cost for all of those. There's, like I said, there's an IRB proposal, typically just to start up $15,000, just, just to get through the door. And that, that doesn't include any part of the study. And that then the regulatory paperwork is, you know, thousands of dollars and then hiring the people to do the technical writing and the, you know, monitoring the people and looking for adverse safety, you know, adverse, adverse events. You have to have all of, all the people have to be monitored. They all have to have a doctor visit likely paid for to make sure they're safe to be in the study. They all have to have, you know, screening labs to see what, who can be in the study, who can, all that stuff causes me. So the startup cost, just to get it off the ground, you know, you're looking at 50,000, maybe, maybe more, and then you start the study. So if you got to do a bunch of small studies, you just add that cost onto that. So we'd rather not do it that route. So we'd like to raise a bunch and then do a nice big study and then write three or four papers from that. And that's, that's the most efficient way to do that. So that's, uh, so, you know, I mean, I've been, you know, we, we, we raised a hundred grand in four weeks, uh, which is great. You know, the, the, the donations have kind of, they went up and then they kind of started to trend, <laughs> but I'm on it every day. As you probably know, every single day mm-hmm. I put a post up yeah. there. Hey guys, help us out. I know people get sick, <laughs> but you know, that's the way it works every day. We get another, another thousand bucks or so. And, uh, 
if it takes a year of fundraising, that's what I'll do. So anyway. So are you going to keep waiting? Like how long are you going to wait to reach the ultimate amount? Are you going to get to a point where you're like, okay, this is as much as we've raised. Let's go ahead and do the study with what we have. Or how long are you willing to wait to get that? Well, again, as I, um, figure out exactly what we need and what size and number of people we need to do to get them to get the statistical power uh, and, and, and we have a better handle on the design then we'll have a pretty good idea how many people we need once we have a design in place we'll, we'll, we'll be able to put a price tag on that and so like if we say you know it's going to cost you six hundred thousand dollars to do the study you'd like to do then we'll go till we get to that money amount and then we'll do the study so i mean it's it's really you know, having the study we want designed, priced, you know, price quote, and then, you know, make that our target. So it, it may come in that it's $400,000, but, you know, based on what I've talked to already, it, it seems like it's going to be, you know, in that $500,000, $600,000 range, just based on professional organizations who do this, you know, and, and, you know, you, you know, you could save money by cutting some things out. And then you're like, well, do I want to do that? You know, there's still some discussion to be had on on what's uh, how big and how 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 impactful and how many how many outcomes we want to look at. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. <laughs> I mean, I I figured it, it there was, but oh my goodness, I'm tired just listening to that. Um, so I have kind of an interesting question, and I've seen a couple of comments come through, and so I was going to ask you, like in our community, it's a real big thing when we see certain nutritional uh, science uh, saying that, oh, well, there was a lot of bias going on due to the funding, et cetera. And that is a problem. It is a true problem. Why is that going to be different if, if, you know, the carnivore community comes together with you spearheading it as you know, carnivores and we have the money and we're going to use our money for the donation, you know, donations to, to fund this. How is that different than what we say about, you know, the bias and other research? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, that's definitely a valid criticism. I mean, you know, you, you can't, say that there's no bias i mean you know it's going to be done by independent researchers so we're just going to give money to independent researchers to do it so it's not like i'm doing the study or anything like that um but yeah there, there i mean that criticism is going to be out there i mean it's but i mean that's something you have to say well here's the data the data is transparent it either happened or it didn't we've got hard endpoints that can always be occurred there i mean it doesn't matter even if i got you know gandhi to fund it right I mean, people are going to criticize some aspect. They're going to criticize the methodology. They're going to criticize the, the randomization process. I mean, there's, there's always going to be some criticism of the study. But guess what? That is still better than no study, right? If you've got no study, I mean, people, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, whatever. But if you do a well-designed, well-powered study, that gets, a lot, like, that gets a lot of the door open, you know, as far as, you know, physicians wanting to adopt this. You know, they're, they're, I mean there's not a study out there that somebody hasn't criticized. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just the way it is. And so, um, you know, so the, the alternative is, you know, it doesn't get funded and no one does it. And you know, like I said, I've looked at the NIH, you know, and that's that, that process is very difficult, very unlikely to happen. You know, it takes years and years uh, often. And most of the time they say no. Um, so, 
you know, it's, it's, it's either that, I mean, like I said, you know, like I said, I reached out to the beef industry and they don't want to fund it. So, I mean, which is just, just, just bizarre to me. I'm like, yeah. you guys would benefit from this, but I, I talked to NCBA, which is National Academy Beef Association about two years ago about funding some corner research. So I said, Hey, this is a natural fit. And they were kind of like, eh, we're not really interested. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of tough, but I mean, if we want to do it as a community, I mean, I mean, I tell people, if you're tired of fighting with your wife or your husband or your mother or your sister or your doctor or your friends about being on a carnivore diet or a meat-heavy diet, this is how you fix it. You know, this is what you do. And so if you can kick in three bucks, five bucks, I mean, gosh, I mean, my social media is 350,000 people. If friggin' they all kicked in two bucks, this would be done, <laughs> you know, right? but- uh, but I, you know, I get it. You know, some people are like, you know, hey, I, you know, whatever you're into. But you know, I do appreciate the folks that have stepped up. And we've had some, really, some big people have kicked in some large amounts. And everybody, you know, and some people have more capacity than others. And you know, it's fine. You know, but I, you know, I just sell. If you can't donate, just share the information, and you can see why it would, would be beneficial. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, the question about bias is, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I can either not have any studies, or you can say there's one that was biased but uh i mean you know the data will be we'll make the you know my plan is to make the, the data publicly available for anybody who wants to look through the data and we can see what it is i mean like i said it's like all these success stories people show i mean you know they um how many people have how many people have uh, uh adopted this diet based on success stories a lot a huge number of, and that's not even close to a good rigor of science uh, although I think, you know, and again, when I talk about what, what happens is, you know, you should do your own experiment, quite honestly. But again, this is not how medicine works. And this is not how physicians do this. And so, you know, when you go to your doctor and he tells you, oh, my God, stop eating all that meat, start eating a bunch of whole grains, fruits and vegetables, and let's get your cholesterol as low as possible. You know, it's frustrating. And, you know, some people get scared from that. And it'd be nice to have more support. Oh, yeah, I agree. And maybe after, once this study gets done, it'll open doors and more people will be going, oh, maybe we should be doing that now, even if it's to prove it wrong or to, you know, get a different result to, you know, the, the data is still the data. I mean, yeah, we can twist it. We already know about all that. But, you know, it could cause a lot more, you know, research and papers and studies to be done. So that could also be a positive benefit. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, that's a good point. I, I do think that, you know, this study will, will sort of cause more studies to be done in, in uh, consequence. And I'd love to see some people take that on, you know, you could do interventional trials with say inflammatory bowel disease, which I think is, this is just a wonderful diet for, it'd be wonderful. You know, if you look at the Crohn's population or the ulcer yes. colitis population, how many of those people have dramatically benefited, come off their, you know, expensive biologics and, you know, uh, corticosteroids and other anti-inflammatory drugs uh you know but that, that's a more focused study than we want to do right now because we want to we want to just show it's broadly safe and effective for a lot of reasons uh but those things i mean you know you, you know autoimmune disease rheumatoid arthritis psoriasis all these things where we just throw these really expensive meds at with kind of mediocre at best results uh you know at least long term or if not they have huge side effects and potential downsides like you know cancer susceptibility infection susceptibility so yeah, I, I think it'll, it, I think it'll snowball, have a snowball effect. So it'll be the first of many. And then, you know, maybe we'll be in a position to fund some more of them down the road. You know, if, if, if the company, if MeetRx grows like I hope it will, 
uh, you know, that might be something we're able to, to continue to assist with down the road. But again, you got to do the first one. And, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's the first, first step is the hardest one. I, yeah, absolutely. But it's so exciting. It's like, you know, being right there on the edge. I, I think, you know, I, I think that's why I'm so interested because it's exciting. It, it's like this, this thing that we're stepping up, all of us are stepping up and going, hey, do this. We want some proof to show you that, you know, it, it is, it's a good thing. Okay, now here's a question. What if the data, and you, and you trust whoever is doing the research, what if the data shows something different than what we think it's going to show? What then? Well, I mean, I think it's important. I mean, I, I'm not out here to kill people. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, my goal is health. And, you know, if, it's, uh, if it shows that, uh, you know, a high percentage of people get sick, then I think we need to say, well, who are those people and, and what is the susceptibility? And do certain people do better than others? I mean, that is, I think that's a very valid question. I'm not going to hide negative data. We have negative data. We, we we sure as hell should show up because I, I I mean I want to make sure the people that that are entrusting their beliefs or health in what I'm doing know that to know that hey this is a potential problem. So I think it's I think it's good to have that data. Um, the other thing that I I, I want to just put about there with 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 the data with MeetRx is where we're going is like I mentioned my partner is a machine learning AI engineer. And so we will be continuing to or, or starting to collect data from our membership and look at that and look at how do we maybe optimize and, and, and see how to particularly do this diet for different people with different situations. And so we'll be able to collect that data from the members that are willing to share and sort of, you know, because the way I look at healthcare today is that it's very much a top down dependent model. That is to say, you know, say a drug company who has a very vested financial interest will say, well, we've got a population of people that have this problem, let's say psoriasis. And so we're going to develop this biologic medication that seems to shut down the immune system and we get an improvement in there. And then we're going to do, you know, a trial and then kind of force it down from the top bottom. We're going to show that it's 5% better than, than the last iteration of our drug. And, you know, maybe the side effect profile is slightly better. And we do it that way and we push it down and then uh, you know, we get it through the FDA, we do a few trials, and then for the next five, 10 years, people take the drug and some of them get really sick and some of it doesn't work for, and we find out there's all these extra side effects and the doctors are on board to, to, to prescribe it to people because they don't know any better and that's what they've been taught and the drug companies kind of push it down. Whereas what we're looking at is a bottoms up model. And so we've got, and again, it's not drugs, but it's lifestyle stuff, it's diet, exercise, you know, sleep, sunlight, you know, whatever circadian rhythm, heat, cold, all those things. You can collect that data and say, I've got all these people with psoriasis or rheumatoid arthritis and we collect the data and then we go, now we go bottoms up because we've got all this data from people willingly submitting that stuff. We integrate it through uh, algorithms and machine learning. And now we can say, wait a minute, we have a different approach. We don't need the drugs, perhaps. Perhaps we've got a better way to do that. And then we can go bottom up. So a lot of times it's the patients teaching their doctors, you know, and, and then again, it pretty much stops at the doctor because the doctor is the, quote unquote, the healthcare, uh, uh, you know, I guess priest or whatever, even though many doctors, you know, when it comes to health, I mean, you know, I, 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 you've seen it. I've talked about the sick care versus healthcare or the disease management or, or even the disease maintenance system where, you know, the physicians are just maintaining people in their disease state with maybe symptom management, which is really not a very good model and I think people suffer from that. So bottom up data collection is what I'm excited about. So I'm excited to put that 
that's the next thing. One of the, one of the things, you know, there's a lot of things we're working on, in, you know, with MeetRx in the background, you know, apps for entering data, uh, different coaching yeah. things, um, support systems, as you see, you know, we're, we're continually improving. And the one really nice thing is we've got such an important uh, supportive environment. I know you're one of our coaches and I know you spent time in some of the meetings uh, and you can see where that's going and how it's improving. And helpful is, you know, you don't have the trolls like you do on social media. You don't have the sort of the censorship where you have on a lot of social media where Facebook is telling you to eat a plant-based diet or whatever, or shutting down. So you can't see, uh, you can't see dissent in the mainstream narrative, you know, and, I, and not, not, I'm not saying one way or the other, but like this coronavirus thing, they don't want to show you people that have an alternate view. I mean, you know, and the same thing mm-hmm. we see that with diet. I mean, we see it with diet, you know, I put up a picture of a baby eating some meat and that was deemed as sensitive material and, and censored. And so we're looking at this as like, what the hell is going on here? When do, when are they going to start saying, okay, meeting is offensive. It's offensive behavior. Uh, I mean, so this is, this is why these, you know, we're building it. We have our own platform is one of those things that's so important. So we can, we can do this stuff. So, you know, because if you're not aware of it, you know, this is what, this is a difference, you know, right now, because social media is so interconnected. This is one of the reasons this carnivore movement one of the ketogenic movement has grown is because of social media and people sharing and being allowed to do so. But, you know, there's a point where you can see how quickly things get centered. We see that with the coronavirus, <laughs> they shut it down real quick. And if they decide, you know, if the, the company is in, their money is affected enough, you know, if you start eating into pharma money too much, or you start eating to the, mm-hmm. you know, processed food company money too much, I guarantee you'll see some pretty, pretty aggressive shutdowns of the conversations. You won't even be able to think, you know, control what you see and think, uh, not to be too conspiratorial, but we've already seen it happen. I mean, clearly we've seen it happen uh, oh, with yeah. coronavirus. So I say it every say, day. what's to say they won't do that with nutrition? Now, and I've been censored mm-hmm. for like silly little things, baby eating meat, lion eating meat. Oh my God, that's too offensive. We don't want to show people that. When are they going to start saying the meeting in general is offensive? You know, there's people like the former UN, one of the UN uh, secretaries stating that meat eaters should be treated like smokers, not be allowed in restaurants. I mean, this is, this is what's out there. And so we have to push back against it. It is so true. I interviewed Caitlin, grass-fed girl, and, you know, she's pregnant and she's been carnivore. And one of the questions I asked her, and I put it in the topics uh, below the video, that how was she faring being pregnant during COVID? And that got tagged. (laughs) And it's like, uh, they had to put this, you know, news thing about, you know, go to, uh, for information on COVID, go to this. And I'm like, are you serious? I wasn't even asking about, I was asking how she was dealing, you know, the isolation and that kind of thing and going to visit doctors. That's what I was talking about. And it's like, wow. So the censorship is real. (laughs) It is so real. So I'm really glad that you've already built up this platform and we have so many people. Go ahead and talk a little bit about meetrx.com. Like, what, where are you going more with that? And, and how can people join? What do they get when they join? Um, anything you want to talk about that? Yeah, thanks, Amber. So meterx.com, obviously, we are a meat friendly community. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we see, you know, so I did a survey 12,000 people doing a carnivore diet, uh, not quite a year ago. And one of the major factors for success. When we looked at people, you know, how long have you been doing the diet? How strict are you on the diet? How much support do you have? Support was one of the number one factors um, of indicating a person's success. So if you have a supportive environment, whether it's your doctor, whether it's your family, whether it's your workplace or an online community, 
that dictates success. And so what we've done is, you know, because there's a lot of stuff out there, there's a lot of information out there, you know, you go on to Facebook groups and you get 25 different answers on different things. And there's, and it often devolves into arguments and it's just kind of not a pleasant place to be. So it's a really, so first of all, it's the largest resource database in the world for We've got 8,000 research articles on things that people want, might want to answer. What about cholesterol? What about protein and kidney disease? What about meat-based diets and, and you know, this and that and saturated fat and, and all that. So we've got all this research, but more importantly, it's this community. Um, I have a meeting every single day at 9 a.m. and I, That's my favorite part of my day. I get up at nine o'clock and I either, well, either I interview someone like I just did with Mickey Mendor and that's a great fascinating interview, or I'll, I'll just talk to my mem- to the members and we just have a conversation and we talk about their struggles, we talk about their successes, we talk about what they're dealing with, how they're dealing with it, we're gathering data, we're supporting each other. Uh, we have people that are just starting on their journey, they're people that are kind of more veteran now, they've been doing it for months and years, and they, it all comes together as a nice, we've also got coaching. A lot of people just feel better with coaching. They, they, they have someone that makes them accountable, someone that can walk them through step by step, you know, particularly early on, there's a lot of questions. What about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. They'll have transition symptoms. They don't know what to deal with. And so the coaching really sort of smooths out that process. And we've kind of made it extremely affordable. I mean, it's, it's just an extremely affordable price for people. So they, they utilize that. Um, we have, uh, you know, lots of recipes you know, for people like the recipes. We've got interactive guides. If you, if you don't want to, if you just, if you want to, if you like just getting stuff on video and reading, we have access, you have, you have capability to do those things. Um, like I said, we, we are now, we are about to roll out, um, some tracking apps so you can start tracking things and, you know, you can get feedback on that. And then eventually what we'll be doing is, you know, Hey, look, your blood glucose has been trending this way. We suggest you do this so we can give you you know, immediate feedback, or sometimes it might be coaching involved where they say, Hey, look, we can get a coach to help you sort out this and that issue. So we can kind of customize that. So that's coming. Um, you know, uh, we've got, like I said, the coaching platform might change a little bit where we might have on-demand coaching uh, that's being looked at. We've got some software developers that are helping us with that, where you can just get on your phone immediately say, Hey, I need a coach right now. And they can, they can go right away, right away instead of having to schedule it. Cause currently right now it's a scheduled basis where you kind of, you know, figure out a time that's convenient for you and you just kind of book a coach, but it, we, we're going to try to go to this coaching on demand model as well. Uh, so we're trying to make it more convenient to get people in there. We have uh, discounts. We've negotiated discounts with all kinds of companies, particularly ranchers, meat companies, so you can save money on meats. Uh, and then there's some other products in there, exercise stuff and a few other, like some people electrolytes and things like that. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, for those people that are inter- interested in the environmental aspect, uh, listing of all these kinds of regenerative agriculture producers, and then a huge catalog of the environmental data, all kinds of articles and scientific papers showing you why meat is not bad for the planet. So if you want to, you know, for those people who like to sort of argue, <laughs> and I tell you now, but that, the data is there to kind of kind of help people out. So that's where we're at. We're continuing to grow. Like I said, eventually uh, we're going to hopefully partner with businesses and, you know, like I said, once this clinical trial is done, we can partner with businesses so we can say, hey, look, give us some of your employees that are at risk for these diseases and we can help fix them with our, with our meat-based approach and our support and lifestyle approach, coaching and feedback and all that stuff so that we can help those businesses have healthier employees, save some money and so on and so forth. So that's, you know, that's kind of the overview of, of what MeetRx is and what MeetRx is going to become. And so it's a growing community. We're getting, you know, 
you know, dozens of people a day just grow, 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 which is wonderful. Um, you know, the bigger the community gets, the better it gets too, because it's just, you know, and, and we've got a lot of people from all over the world. Now we've got people from the UK, from Australia, from South Africa, from India, from even, you know, other parts of Asia that are joining in. Uh, we've got meetings almost 24 hours a day. So if you can always kind of log on and find a meeting and just sometimes you just need someone to talk to. I mean, like I said, I mentioned the support aspect being very, very important. So I think that's, and the nice thing, like all of our coaches and all the volunteers that make MeterX run are all carnivores that have done this. And the reason they do it is because they are, they're passionate about it because it's so dramatically helped them. And it's so exciting to be around a group that, you know, it's, we're all inspired. It's not like you go to a normal company where they're like, you know, where they're, they're making pencils. It's like, eh, well, you know, it's not that, but these people are like, we are fixing people's lives. And the motto I've kind of developed is we fix broken people. And I think that's ultimately what we do. And I'm not to, I don't want to use broken in a bad term, but you know what I mean? You know, there's uh -huh. people who lifelong depression, metabolic disease, you know, obesity, whatever we, we take those people and we make them better. And, uh, you know, it's just wonderful. It's so rewarding. And it, you know, it makes me uh, like, it makes me want to get up every day for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that aspect. That is the best part. And I do think MeetRx is an amazing, amazing platform. And, you know, I, I get to do the coaching. I get to do the success stories. I'm, I'm seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I was talking to Masa and I was like, you know, what would be so great is do an app, do a MeetRx app. And she's like, we're already on it. And I'm like, of course you are. So there's always something rolling out. Th these people are so busy. I don't think, you know, people really understand. I mean, every minute of your day is busy. You're doing something the same with Masa. I mean, bam, bam, bam. And it's very impressive. And, you know, you think, oh, I got this idea and they're like, I'm on it. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. So one last thing, cause I know you got to go. Um, how can people donate? I'll have everything listed below too, but, but go ahead and, you know, talk about that a little. Yeah. So there's a GoFundMe site. You know, if you go to meterx.com, it's on our front page. There's a button you can click. Uh, there is on my social media. I have links. I usually put up a, a link every day on social media uh, for that. So it's just, it's a GoFundMe. If you type in GoFundMe and type in carnivore clinical trial, you'll find it. If you want to Google it that way, but you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of links there. So that's a, uh, that's the way you can do it. We appreciate anything from a dollar to, you know, thousand dollars. You know, we've had, we've had, we've had as much as a $10,000 donation. So I saw that one. <laughs> anything that, uh, anything that, uh, you know, helps is, is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the, the, the platform, Amber, thank you very much. Right, you betcha. And, and uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm basically from about 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. night, 10 p.m. night, I'm working all day long, doing this stuff, doing emails, answering questions, talking to members. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I do a little, I work out and eat a little bit, and I usually show that on my social media, but the rest of the time, I'm nose to the grindstone working, uh, you know, or if not, I'm, I'm spending a little time with my, my, my family, but, but it's, it's work, 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 but it's fun. I like it. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I know you're super busy, so I do appreciate it. But there were, I, I was getting some comments about the trial. And so I, 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 it's nice to have something on record. So that way, you know, people, if they have a question. So that's awesome. Do, do you have any last minute things you want to say before we go? Any kind of words of encouragement or advice or anything? Well, I mean, I think this in general, I mean, I think, you know, we should be not 
you know, too attached to any one part of dogmatic approach. I think be open, but really focus on results, really focus on objective results, what works for you. You don't have to take my word for it. I tell people the only thing I know for sure is that I'm wrong about something. So I don't know what that is yet. But so, I mean, but again, you just have to assess it, take it with a grain of salt, apply it to yourself, your own life. Don't be afraid to, you know, your doctor works for you. Remember that. Don't be afraid to, if you're not getting the results you want, try something else. And, you know, like I said, um, I can tell you, I, I, I love talking to people and there's, there's lots of ways to, to, to fix problems. So uh, don't, like I said, don't be afraid to uh, do what works for you and don't be afraid. And, and really, I mean, as you know, Amber, I mean, you can change your life and your confidence level will go up and your, oh, yes. you know, your whole outlook on life can change. And no matter where you're starting, you can get to a very, very good place. It's doable. Yes, I've experienced it. I can, I can say for sure that is the truth. And thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And y'all subscribe and be sure to follow Sean if you're not already. I'm sure you are. I'm going to have all the donation information below. Um, so make it super easy for y'all. So donate, go join MeetRx, come check us out. We're an awesome community, I promise. Again. Thanks. Thank you so much. I got to meet with some lawyers now. Some lawyers were talking to the for the meter X um, company. So anyway, <laughs> next meeting. Bye, Sean. Thank right, bye. you. Thanks, Have a great day. Bye bye.